I'm Christine Russo, and you're listening to What Just Happened on MarketScale. Hi, I'm Christine Russo, and welcome to another episode of Fad Trend and Strategy on What Just Happened. Today, we welcome David Marcotte, cross-industry, cross-border and tech at Cantor Consulting, and James Tenser, president at VSN Media. Welcome. I'd like to kind of hit the supply chain area because wow, what a difference. The pendulum swings so dramatically from one side to the other. So let's start with weakened demand. What's happening? David, fad trend or strategy? That's pretty much a fad at the moment. From a fad point of view, we're having what's we're having continuation of chaos, which is we're having something completely outlandish cut down portions of the the work. So before it was labor, then it was the Suez Canal. Now we're into the Panama Canal. And the Panama Canal um, is more serious than it was three years ago because there's now two Panama Canals, not just one. So you're seeing from a supply chain view, the entire US flipping again. And I mean, again, from the West Coast to the East Coast for exports. So all of a sudden you have rail being distorted, you have seaports being distorted, you have you know different rates being imposed, you have different expectations for supply chain time. You have to add 10 days to everything now. And we're right back to where we were two years ago, except for with absolutely nothing in common. So I don't I don't see that as a trend other than saying, okay, chaos is a trend, but that kind of is a crappy comment. It, you know, you can't say that without with a straight face. So I'll just go with, this is our momentary blip. Next time can be aliens. I don't know. I'm starting to run out of new scenarios. But it's really astonishing from a supply chain perspective how many how many things are going. Now, on the trend part, and Jamie can talk about this, one of the things that was a trend that failed, and I'm going to say it's a, a failing trend, which makes it a trend if you wish, is the digitalization of supply chain that was supposed to occur Mm-hmm. Right. Three years ago, we've had convoy, we've had trade lens, we've had, you know, just about every digital and blockchain solution that was supposed to fix all this didn't. So every time you ship a container, there's 300 pieces of paper. Every time you move a truck, there's 25 pieces of paper. So all of the nonsense continues. And that's a trend. Guys, I love you touch on all the things that I thought you would want to talk about, and I'm so excited to get into it. You would imagine that by now that paper, that flood of paperwork would would be mitigated some by technology solutions. And I'm not sure what it is about that sector of the industry. David, do you think it's resistant? They have a legality that's completely separate from our own. They're just a very different species unto itself. And when you try to impose formal law on the scrum. It's very interesting because I've been deep diving on organized retail crime and Homeland Security had a webinar about all the touch points of organized retail crime. And one of the places that gets zero press is supply chain. So you have the guys that own the terminals, you have the guys that own the shipping, you have the guys that own the port facilities, the trucking, the conveyance. When you come with something like Trade Lens, which was Marsk and IBM's solution to this, which is we're going to create a very stable supply uh, blockchain solution. It was a brilliant solution. And a friend of mine ran it. And I it, trust me, it really, really did work, except for nobody would sign up. And that was, it wasn't the cost. 
It was free. It was pure and simple. Nobody trusted it. If you're not required to document it well, then you certainly wouldn't do it by uh, voluntarily. Now, we have some very serious apparel sustainability regulations coming down the pike in 2025. And there's a lot of work going on now to comply. Brands and partners and manufacturers and suppliers and factories working towards this is the reason why people are taking that so seriously because A, there might be financial penalties and B, because everyone invested in the process cares about the environment and that's not not what you see on the other side in the other area or is there regulation missing? Jamie, what do you think? When it comes to you know the sourcing of, of if you will, fiber products from parts of the world, uh, apparel, cloth, I, I, I don't, I don't see that there are um, that there are controls that are very effective across the board. It, it seems like it's kind of it's kind of about the company, the individual company's will and desire to to stand up and be, uh, be if you will, good actors in the marketplace. And that's true for some. And we've seen brand. You know, many, uh, apparel brands try to say they stand for certain principles, no child labor, for example, sustainability. That's a slogan unless they have the clout to carry it back to the sources, the ultimate sources. And, you know, call me a skeptic. Um, I believe there are lots of good intentions. I don't know how effective they're able to always be. If the Port of Los Angeles says you cannot enter my port if your carbon profile is above this, well, guess what? You do it. And you have the same thing in terms of garments. If Walmart and Target and Tesco and Carrefour say, we will not accept, based on our bill of material, anything that is not strictly detailed and can conforms to QA processes, well, guess what? It doesn't happen. Let's talk about the buzz that was nearshoring. And is that was that a fad? Was it a trend? Has it turned into a strategy? And does it help with some of these problems? Jamie, what are your thoughts on that? I think it feels to me like a, a moderate trend. That there, there were some lessons learned from the debacles we had at the beginning of COVID. And, and, and by the way, that was coincident in time. They weren't necessarily because of COVID, but just things were happening all at once. And I think some industries have recognized stuff that comes from a long distance away. It's harder to have certainty about our ability to, to fill retail stores to capacity, to, to have the right uh, inbound ingredients for manufacturing, et cetera. So I think it makes sense to decentralize, deconcentrate is really a word I like to use, certain industry sectors so that they become more resilient when when certain events happen that cause a problem. And by the way, it costs money to send things lost long distances too. Even if the scale economies appear good on the surface. Now, are, are, are manufacturers really acting on this? I think it's not being talked about lately so much as it was a couple of years ago when people were wringing their hands about it. The issue is how do we make our supply web more resilient and and more re, more able to withstand individual uh, incidents or adverse incidents so that we can keep things flowing smoothly. 
So, by the way, I don't like the term chain very much at all in this context. The supply web makes a lot more sense to me, at least conceptually. Yeah, I think of it as layering. I want to layer my contracts. To Jamie's point, I'm not seeing this in large companies. I'm most definitively seeing it in small to medium-sized companies. You're increasingly seeing stuff that would have been contracted to small or medium-sized companies in, say, China, um, moving to Mexico. Right now, it definitively is a trend. As a trend, yeah, it's a pretty solid trend. And I'm not seeing a change. The, the East Coast ports are tremendous success stories, except for they're not six months out of the year. You're looking at all these ports that had died, have been not only resurrected, but expanded and made suitable for deep draft shipping and whatnot. They're not connected to a larger infrastructure that make them successful 12 months out of the year. So you're looking at Charleston, you're looking at Savannah, you're looking at Baltimore, you're looking at Philadelphia. Jacksonville is another great example. What do you guys think about just walk out technology from, remember, FAD's trend or strategy? Jamie? FAD mostly. I think it's going to stick around in certain contexts. But clearly the early attempts haven't caught on like wildfire. They've gotten lots of press coverage from, you know, the gee whiz kind of technology reporters. And it's fun. It's fun to consider. It turns out it seems to have a limited application, I think, There's certain kinds of selling situations. Right. So it's great. I, I saw an example of a just walk out store in an airport terminal. Brilliant. I'm going to hurry to make my flight. I can use my palm or my card and I can walk in, I can grab a bottle of water and rush out to my flight. Uh, that's not so bad. It doesn't work real well when I'm filling a basket of groceries for my weekly shop. Then it starts, to, the time advantage there, the convenience advantage starts to be pretty narrow compared to the total commitment I'm making for that, for that event. So I don't think it goes away. I just think it, like many technologies, finds that it fits in certain specific places, some of which we already can guess at and maybe some we haven't figured out yet. But it requires a change in the behavior of the end user. And for some end users, that exchange is, is, not a, is, is not a win for them. It's not going away, but it's sure enough, it's not a trend. Self-checkouts are, are much more um, widely used these days. It seems like a lot of retailers have felt uh, compelled, perhaps, or that it was a necessary part of the way that they're going to run stores. So the self-checkout thing, I think, is a, is a trend. I just feel like there's a couple iterations yet to come, and maybe that's going to include methods for improving its security. You know, about organized crime, it's like, it's, I, I wonder if we, you know, how do I want to say this? We don't realize how, how good we had it where you can just, the doors open when you approach. It's like, where am I, paradise, Disney World? The doors open when I approach. It is this sea of selection that I can just touch and feel and put in my cart and like maybe take, maybe pay for it and take it home, maybe leave it on the shelf, maybe leave it in the cart. This playland that I think fundamentally is going to have to maybe go away and you end up in a membership, a very, very caste system of membership of stores where in order to even get in, you have to show that you've paid and qualified.
does Costco have organized retail crime in the press? So no one else is even talking about following that. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, you know, buzzing people into stores and not having it be this free open space. And the mini version of that is put everything behind their own little mini doors, right? That's what we have now. So the the store, the open store as we know it is very much on hold. I think it's a fad. My heart wants to say it's a fad, but like walking into a store just because it's there is no, no longer a thing as we know it. Flash mobs are incredibly effective until people start monitoring social media and communication and basically work hard at finding people to snitch. That's really the best way of doing it. I think um, when it comes to loss or shrink, uh, a good amount of shrink for as far as I know, as long as I've been aware of retailing is the extra case that didn't make it off the truck into the back door of the store. That's organized retail crime. That doesn't happen unless there are certain people with muscle. What we've learned for the last two years, if you have enough labor and it's, you retain it and you, you train them, you don't have crime. You don't have crime. You don't have shrink. If there's only one way out of the store and there are four individuals checking right. receipts in your carts as you leave at that exit, I think at least that discourages somebody from trying to run out with a cart and that and that that seems to work for them but it's it's not necessarily going to work in every retail environment so we are at the conclusion of what just happened i want to thank both of you time flew so this this is, this is a lot of fun christine you, you got to come have coffee with us one time that sounds great definitely for sure i thank you both thank you for listening to another episode of fad trend and strategy on what just happened I'm Christine Russo.